Welcome to a brand spanking new episode of Who Do You Think You Are? An exploration into how our thoughts, beliefs, and feelings create our reality. My name is Lastia Kahoot and I'm your host. I'm joined by my co-host on this show and in life, Glenn Sheridan. Every episode, we're joined by a special guest who inspires us to consider not only what we think, but how we think, and how that thinking impacts our life experience. It's time to get this conscious conversation started as we ask today's guest, who do you think you are? Well, here we are for another episode of Who Do You Think You Are? And today on this show, we have Reverend Dale Olansky from CSL Palm Desert. Dale is a religious science practitioner. She has been one for many, many years, since 2008, and she recently graduated as a Minister of Religious Science in June of 2020. She's been the lead practitioner at the Center for Spiritual Living Palm Desert since 2012, and she has an active practitioner practice and teaches classes on spirituality and leads virtual sacred circles for her spiritual community. She also has a book that she published in 2019 called Fear to Faith, A Daily Guide to Finding Solace in an Uncertain World. And she's getting ready to publish her second book, The Art of Being a Practitioner. Dale's passion is to empower people to see the spiritual nature of their being so they can live the full life of their dreams. Dale is also a professional inspirational speaker. Okay, so if you would like to unmute yourselves, I see you guys have done it already. Dale, the question that we start off with is, who do you think you are? <laughs> well, it, I, I am the expression of God. I am God, as Dr. James Mellon has taught me so well. Um, I, I think that I'm just somebody who's here to, uh, to inspire others to really see their spiritual magnificence. That, that's kind of my thing. And, and although I didn't know that until about 20 years ago, um, I know that that's what my whole purpose here is on, in this world, to really see through what, you know, all that garbage that people have been told that they are and just pull that aside so that they can really see that light and love that they are so they can just shake free from all that old thinking, all those old beliefs and really be that, that true nature of life and love that is the spirit of who they are and really give them the tools to do that. So um, that's who I think I am at this moment. That's amazing. And I have to say, you know, you say you didn't know that until about 20 years ago. I feel like I didn't know that for myself until about four years ago. <laughs> and so for me, even though, you know, I, my entire sort of lifetime has brought me to where I am in this moment, it really feels like until I stepped into the science of mind and spirit teachings about four years ago, when we went into the Center for Spiritual Living Toronto, it, that's sort of when it feels like my life began. Um, it just, the teaching resonated so much with me right from the get-go. And I felt very inspired by the people we saw that day at the center. And, and I just remember seeing, and I, I've spoken about this before, about seeing Reverend Jonathan Zenz at the lectern talking about what he was talking about in the way he was expressing everything. And I just thought, that's what I want. That's how I want to live. That's what I want to do. That's how I want to be. And, um, and then what, what I remember, the first book that I read, which I think he was the one who recommended, if there's going to be a book you should read first, read The Power of Decision by Raymond Charles Barker. And, um, and that book, when I read it, 
even though I can't remember a whole bunch of it right now, but I know there are little nuggets that have stayed with me. That book felt like the answers to how to live and how to be. And it just, I remember thinking back to when I was a teenager or um, an adult, you know, in my twenties and just thinking, oh, if there were only a book that I could turn to, if there were only some kind of, you know, way of thinking that I could embrace to like, just, can someone just please tell me how am I supposed to live? Because it, I just am having so much trouble figuring it out, but I knew enough to know that where I was and what was going on wasn't necessarily the way that I wanted things to be. I, I figured there's got to be a different way. So, so that book for me was kind of the door that, you know, opened things up and then, and then going into classes, realizing and sort of hearing and, and just embracing the call to ministry and then finding out I had to go through practitioner studies first. <laughs> okay, fine, stepping stone. But but going through practitioner studies, I really, after going through that, I feel like it could be called something entirely different. So it doesn't have to sort of, the end goal doesn't need to seem like once I take this and go through these two years, I get a license and then I'm supposed to practice. I think it's just an extraordinary opportunity and journey and gift and I like to call excavation of the soul into really discovering who you are and I would just wish that for everyone to go through something like that because it's so profound it's so incredible to you know learn about all the sort of factual stuff that we learned and the history that we learned and then the the skills and the techniques to be an effective practicing practitioner but that first year when you're really diving into you know understanding who you are what you're all about how did life get to be this way that was just wow and so so here's my first question then, because you actually have been the lead practitioner for many, many years at CSL Palm Desert, and you actually have taught practitioner studies, right? Yes. So being on, you know, the teacher side of it and the mentor and, and the person who's inspiring, you know, through all of that teaching, what's it like for you to see people go from day one to two years later, you know, everything that they have gone through? What's, what's that like for you as a teacher? It, it's probably one of the most exciting, joyful experiences for me. I, I just, I love to watch people transform. And, and that's why I love being a practitioner because I see it in my clients too. It, it's, it's my joy. Honestly, it's probably one of the biggest heart joys to see people because it's, you don't know what to expect when you go into either working with a practitioner or practitioner training. You don't know what you're going to experience or what you're going to bump into. But to see people courageously say, you know what, I'm stepping in. I want to change like what you had addressed. There's more, there's got to be more life experience, more a different way of being in this world than what I'm used to. And for people to just say, I'm ready to try something different and moving into this space of, and I by the way, I love your soul excavator thing. I think that is so friggin' brilliant. Because I think what we do, what we do is kind of like archaeology, if you think of it that way. We're, we're, we're going in and we're, we're, we're looking for the artifacts that, that need to be seen so that we can, you know, remove all that blockage and be, be whole in this world. But um, 
going back to what you asked me, yeah, to me, it's one of the greatest joys of my life to, to watch people um, become practitioners and, and just to see that light turn on. It's, it's just, I can't get enough of it. Honestly, I cannot get enough of it. I love it. Love it. If something down the road, I would, I would love to teach practitioner studies or something like practitioner studies, even if it's taking that year one and, and putting that into a slightly different sort of package. Um, it just, it's, it's that was such an amazing experience for me. And I, I know that it rippled out, you know, into those closest to me, for example, Mr. Glenn Sheridan over here, um, and our daughter. And I mean, I would talk about stuff at work when I was, you know, reading and studying and writing papers, which just seemed endless in year one. I mean, at any given time, we were reading between three and five books. Um, and we were writing thought papers, we had a term paper, we were constantly being asked to write spiritual mind treatments um, for the first several months so that we could get into the practice of, of sort of getting into that technique and knowing, I mean, I love the way I had the same teacher for practitioner studies as you had for ministerial studies, Dr. James Mellon from the Global Truth Center in Los Angeles. And for me, perfect teacher at the perfect time in the perfect way, um, because he was so unrelenting with, you got to get it right. You got to get it right. You have to have a solid foundation. And so there was even one, one time when he asked us to write a treatment and we had to do it three weeks over because he just said, you guys aren't going deep enough. You're not getting, you're not, you know, getting in there where you need to go sort of thing. And so to have that practice and to just, you know, here's the problem. This is the condition. What's the, what are the limiting beliefs supporting the condition? What's the intention for treatment? And then write the treatment. I started, I realized a few months in, I was starting to apply that process to other things in my life. And, um, and a really neat experience that I actually had personally was when I used to work for Unity Victoria here in Victoria. And, uh, and there was a move that was happening. The, I mean, where Unity had had their offices for many, many, many years, the uh, landlords were taking it over, and so Unity had to move out. And so there were a lot of mixed feelings um, from the congregation, in the, within the congregation. And, and one of the things that I remember asking at one point is, knowing a little bit about the history of Unity and the Fillmores and how they started out, um, really by inviting their friends to their parlor on Thursday evenings to pray with intention together, then I just asked one day, is there any like formal prayer going on for this divine relocation, which is what it ended up being called? Like, are we, are we setting an intention? Are we doing this together kind of thing? And so the answer was no, but yeah, why aren't we? And so what ended up happening was sort of my first very practical application experience with what I was learning in practitioner studies at the time. And that was to sort of, you know, what's the condition? What are the supporting or the limiting beliefs that are kind of getting in the way of the spiritual truth? And then what's the intention for the treatment? And so I wrote out a treatment um, and gave it to the, the spiritual leader at the time. And while I was writing it, I first sort of wrote it as a science of mind treatment. And then I thought, oh, wait, but Unity, they have slightly different lingo, even though, you know, there's, you know, it's new thought and it's the same stuff. There's this 
slightly different languaging. So I started to reword it and rewrite it. And, and then I thought, you know what, this isn't working because it doesn't feel like it's flowing the way it wants to flow. <clears throat> so I brought it back to what it just felt like it wanted to be. And then I submitted it <laughs> the next day to the spiritual leader who thought it was amazing. We ran it by a few other people who were like, wow. And then it became a formal thing. And so it, I put it out in this like beautiful artistic, you know, with a background and then made copies for people to have. And then I wasn't there on Sunday when this happened, but Glenn was. And apparently what ended up happening was for several Sundays in a row, there would come a time during the service where everybody would read this spiritual mind treatment together for, you know, the perfect outcome. And then there were two times during the week where everybody was supposed to sort of, if you could, stop, drop, and pray and mm -hmm. just take 10 to 15 minutes and either, you know, read the treatment or just sit there and know, you know, perfect outcome. And that was such a cool experience. And it was also a perfect example of how there were there were desires and there were things that we knew that were in the treatment, yet the way things ended up unfolding was so different than anyone had imagined up until then. The way just, you know, everybody opened themselves up to what could possibly happen and just let it go. And then even though there were places that we visited that were like, oh, we can see the potential here. This would be super great. In the end, it ended up being something totally different and is still more or less that way, um, except for COVID-19 stuff happening. And it was just super cool to kind of have this, you know, self-imposed assignment <laughs> and treat it like an assignment for class and to have that sort of, you know, technique and that process, that method, if you will, including those five steps and then having an entire community come together with this, you know, singularity of thought and intention. Yeah. I have goosebumps right now. Um, Mahoney, you were there when this happened and this is this was kind of your foray into unity from from CSL Victoria here. So you maybe want to talk a little bit about either that or you know just something that comes to mind from from this experience. Well yeah I remember it being <clears throat> quite uh quite impressive how everyone got involved with that and it, it sort of just came out of your imagination and your desire to be of service and just to put your your new tools into practice which was really cool we got all those colorful uh <laughs> posters <laughs> to stare at and right. focus upon but as you're saying that, I'm thinking maybe maybe this is why we're all on Zoom now because it was so powerful that it, it changed how we're going to be be you know gathering in, in service because now this is this is the way we we're communicating and uh, I think a lot of churches and spiritual communities are on some form of online um, internet service or whatever and uh we're getting a little bit too used to it i'm really looking forward to getting back to just being with other people being in that energy and i know you kind of have, you've been dipping your toes back into it but i'm kind of curious if, if dale is experiencing the same thing with um 
like how much are, have you gotten used to communicating with people over zoom or Facebook or Google or whatever. Um, but how much does it also make you miss just being in a service with people, being with the music, being with the energy, you know, hugs seem to be available whenever you need one kind of thing. Um, and I've never been to the Palm Desert, so I don't know what the normal setup is, but that's what I want to know today is what, what Dale has been going through during all this, uh, post COVID business. Yeah. Well, I, you know, for me, it's been a call to action also, because as soon as things started shutting down here, I created virtual, what I call them sacred circles. I like to bring people together in community to really talk what's on their heart and do prayer work with them. So it's allowed me to kind of build that up a little bit. Um, but I really do. I miss the service. I miss Sunday service. I miss my friends. And I used to be at the center a lot because I, I see clients there and I interact with our staff. And so I miss that camaraderie. And I, like you said, I, I feel the same way. I really miss be, being in people's energy. And I, I didn't, I kind of underestimated that until now. Now I really realize I love to mix energetically with people, even though we can do it through Zoom as well. But being face-to-face -face with somebody in person is a whole other reality. So, so yeah, I've had my challenges with this, definitely. And there are moments um, where I just go, God, can this just be over already? Um, but, you know, I, I, I use my spiritual work to kind of get me back in balance and just to see, because I've never doubted for a moment there is just something magnificent and big spiritually um, coming through what we're experiencing right now. I do think there's a spiritual revolution that's happening beneath the surface of this. And I think we're all like people like Lesia and myself and all, many, many others right now who have just stepped into bigger spiritual leadership. We're, we're in tune with this and we're knowing that basically we're being charged to create and allow something to be created by means of us for this new world that's coming through where spirituality that's not denominational, that isn't um, religious, so to speak, something that's really spirituality from the heart that we teach in science mind, really ushering that in, in a new way where people will, will be able to get into it because we've had such a, we've had such um, challenges getting people into new thought. Um, there's just, we haven't found that golden key where more people say, oh, wow, this does work for me. This resonates. And so I think people like Lesia, you know, and all of us who are, who are moving into this call, we are going to be the people to be able to communicate it in a way where people will be able to get it and be attracted to it. Because I think there's a hunger right now for what we have. I'm seeing it, but there's just, there's been a languaging gap that I think we're going to, that we are now, um, we're, we're bringing it together because I think we're figuring out and we're downloading through spirit exactly um, how to be able to phrase things and bring people together so that they can grow their spirituality and tap into something that I know a lot of people just, it's been, it's been dormant and, and it's time to awaken all of us. So that's kind of what I see mm -hmm. unfolding here. There, there are a few things that came to mind for me there. I mean, I think there are slightly different experiences between the three of, or among the three of us that we're having because CSL Victoria is open for business in person. And I will be honest, I don't know how that actually was decided. It happened very quickly and it happened in a really neat way because we used to be at a different facility and had been at that facility for almost three decades. And then an opportunity presented itself for a move to occur, and that happened. So we are still renting. Um, and now, however, we are actually in downtown Victoria, um, and 
and it just the the area is a really super cool happening family oriented hip energetic lots of stuff like aliveness and vitality going on even in the surrounding community and the building that we actually rent it has other stuff going on every single day and so right now i mean there are still covid 19 protocols in place so not as many people can gather at the same time and if there's more than one event happening because there are only so many people allowed in the building at one time that has an impact you know on on uh, each event so so anyway but for me when i i went back to csl um, victoria on sundays because i had been working for two and a half years and most of that time i was working on sundays and then i made a conscious choice to i knew that i was going to start to go back to csl victoria on sundays anyway however i made a conscious choice to leave my job of two and a half years about um, just over a month ago um, and so going back to CSL on the first day that it reopened and reopened at this new facility with slides um, and not paper programs, you know, feeling like, whoa, we're in the big leagues now. It was so exciting. I mean, I really didn't know what to expect because I hadn't seen the facility. I wasn't part of the move, but I was the one putting the slides together and I was talking with Reverend Terry almost every day and and i like to be involved anyway being with people in the same room even two meters or six feet apart was amazing and for me probably the biggest thing that i felt was doing a an opening treatment mm -hmm. in the room with people was incredible like because for two years i had been doing it online through class and and to be in the same room with people to do a treatment was just i mean that energy i know i know intellectually i mean we talk about it all the time energy is energy it's everywhere all the time right here right now through time space and beyond you know no location no time needed to like feel it and move it however <laughs> being in the room with people and just the proximity i don't know somehow I still have that belief clearly that it's more palpable and just, you know, more tangible. So that was super exciting. Um, for Unity, you guys are totally on Zoom. CSL Palm Desert though, are you, do you still stream from the, the center? Cause you guys have your own facility, right? We do, we, um, we're, what we do is we don't really, um, we record at the center, our Sunday services, they are not live. So we're really, it's nothing's really live at all. We do our 10 a.m. things throughout the week. We're all Zooming, so it's we're at our homes. But yeah, we haven't really, we haven't started. You know, I love how like what James does. He's he's been live the whole time. He just doesn't have many people there. And we're we're, we're thinking about maybe starting to do kind of like what Doc, what uh, Dr. James does, but maybe not having the band there, but having people live there and doing it a lot more of a live program. Yeah, yeah. No, that's I I because I'm now at CSL two Sundays um, a month for sure. Then I'm missing out on two Sundays with Global Truth Center LA because that would be my usual sort of you know tune in on Sunday morning. Um, oh, what was I going to say? The the things that you were doing at 10 a.m. I have started tuning into your sensational six on Wednesday mornings, and I just love that. I mean, you guys as a package, these are your fellow ministerial graduates. Um, there are six of you, hence sensational six. 
And I know one of them, uh, Reverend Gail, because she yeah. is one of my prayer partners. Uh, everyone, and then I know Reverend Lori because she was generous enough to give us her Emerson notes, which then kind of made their way, you know, through many, many, many students. And then really the only experience I have with the other three is through watching those videos that you guys did mm -hmm. during your ministerial studies and then your 10 talks that you did at the end, the week that was leading up to the culmination for everything. And the way that you guys work together as this incredible cohesive unit, the way you present that hour, it's just, to me, it is so engaging, so entertaining, so enlightening, so fun. And I just, I love it and I, and I marvel at how you guys just work together so, so, so brilliantly. So, I mean, that's my experience on this end. What's it like for you getting together, you know, from week to week and doing those things? Um, it's really fun. We, we meet every other week to do our planning sessions and it's always just a fun time because we just let loose and we're sarcastic with each other and, and it's just a joy. I mean, that's as fun, much fun as doing the, the actual show. But um, it's, it's been, you know, we really didn't know what to expect when we started to do the Sensational Six. And it, it, when, I, when I'm a part of it, I just, I'm in awe of how, what we've all become. And I just, I always, I always pay homage to Dr. James because he is, an, as you know, he's a phenomenal teacher. And just knowing everybody where they started from and where we are now, I just, it's, it's mind blowing. And, and I see the brilliance that he, you know, he's not really forceful because to me, Dr. James says, and I, I told Dr. James this, he insists that you be who you are. He will not accept artificial or inauthenticity. You have to be who you are, period. And so that's what we do. We show up individually and we're, we're happy with that and joyful because that's brilliance. And so it's neat for me to see just like, I'll hear William say something and it's like, perfect given what's going on in the conversation everybody just knows what's right for them to say and it all what I kind of like what you're speaking to it all just fits together beautifully given on our different viewpoints and and it, it's it's truly a, a divine experience from my end as well because I kind of just go with what I'm feeling to say and and I kind of take a step back and just just watch it unfold so I, I think we're all just loving it as well as much as our viewers are yeah, and I have to say that little platform, um, something minute, HTML, something where, where when you go onto the website and then you click on and you see the video and there's a little chat box. Um, I haven't encountered it up until that was that was that's my only experience so far, is with with your broadcast and uh, and all the little names, the automatic names. There. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, I on before you actually register. I registered now, so it's just my name. But you know, friendly creature, you know, friendly earthling, you know, inquisitive, you know, guest. It just, like it's so cute. Everyone has something different, and it just has this this lightness and fun about it, which it's that's fantastic. So thank you for doing it that way too. Oh, it's a it was a group creation, and it's just and we're and we're not stopping. We have a following, and so we're we're going to keep going and and enjoying it. Yeah, no, it is it is amazing, and I look forward. And now it's I think I've been there four Wednesdays, and now it's part of my Wednesday morning. So beautiful. Thank You're you. gonna if you can come this Wednesday. Dr. James is our guest. Oh so. yeah, I thought that last Wednesday, and I'm like, where is he? Where is he? And then I'm like, no, it's the wrong. Oh, yeah, they made a mistake on the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Um, okay, so let's let's take a little detour here and move to your book, the first yes. book that you did, Fear to Faith, uh, last year. So wait a second, I have because I printed out, I printed out a couple of pages from some of the I don't know what you call them chapters posts. But uh, the beginning of the book, the beginning of the book starts with, you know, this is it. On January 20th, 2017, a palpable wave of fear swept across America, casting a dark shadow over many dear souls in my life, including me. As a spiritual leader in my community, I knew I couldn't idly stand by. I had to do something to assuage the fear. I read that first sentence and thought oh my god what happened <laughs> and, I, and then it was like oh right i know what happened and because being in canada it was right the thing that came to mind of course yeah. um however being in class for two years with americans except for just one person who was from toronto it was talked about almost every single class and and talk mm -hmm. about sort of seeing a shift occur it was really interesting to think back to what it was like at the beginning of our practitioner studies and what people what opinions people had and how they felt about the presidency and how things were unfolding in the united states compared to the growth and evolution and change in perspective perception you know by the end of those two years I mean, still some very firmly rooted beliefs and very strong opinions, um, but seen, you know, in a different way, delivered in a different way. So, so based on what happened here it's in your book, it says you started a Facebook page and you just started posting things. And then ultimately, this is what turned into your book. Yes. So... So can you, my first question is, do you still have this going on after? No. Okay. No, I don't have it. I stopped uh, posting. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you have so much other stuff on the go. I mean, every, there's just, you know, this, and then there's this, but wait, there's more. <laughs> you oh, I know. are a very, very busy, prolific, just being, I mean, giving, creating all over the place constantly. So what was, what was the, the book experience like for you? Because you're um, writing the second one too, so. Yeah, the second one's already written. Now I, it's just editing, really, because it's already, it was my thesis, so it's complete. But I just, I need to go back over some of the notes that Dr. James put in the book and, and go over the editing of the punctuation and all that too. So it's, it's coming. But um, writing the book was actually, it was, it was something that was just so, like a, just a demand of the universe on me because I, and I can't even believe I did it. I, I would, I would wake up every morning, just take my shower and go to writing. And I just kind of meditated into whatever was to be written. And um, as I explained in the book, it started out just kind of very generic postings of inspiration. And then one day I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to write differently. I'm going to write about an experience I had and show the spiritual uplift and, and just see what comes. And I received so much feedback, positive feedback when I did that. And then I realized, okay, this is what this is about. It's not about just generic inspiration. It's about 
my life and what I'm walking through and how I'm seeing it and giving it an uplift. And people just, they just loved it. They love seeing how I'm walking through life. They see themselves in it. And so that's what this book really is about. All these different experiences I had and, and it allowed me to drop so deep in myself and really to just be on the lookout for, for, um, for, for what's, what spiritually is showing up for me. And so it was a great, it was a spiritual practice every morning to, to just write it out and it was posted by 7 a.m. So it was a joy to do that. And I didn't have any intention to write a book. I just was doing my post day in and day out until somebody about maybe six months in who was part of the group, um, she had been in publishing <clears throat> for some for many, many decades. And she said, you know, this is a book. She goes, you've got to make this into a book. So after about, it was about a year, year and a half in, and, um, and I, I also speak to this, my mom, um, my sister and I took care of my mom for for 12 years um, after my dad passed because she was um, she was a, uh, a stroke survivor and needed constant care. So a lot of my time was going down to Los Angeles and helping out with that. But she had made her transition, and it was like I just got this divine hit. It's time to publish. And so I reached out and got that going. And, and publishing was great. I published with the people who print the, uh, who published for Science of Mind magazine. And it's great to, you know, have somebody who's spiritually um, enlightened working on your book to publish it. And it was just a dream. The artwork, the editor, it all just came together beautifully. And the book, I, I couldn't be more proud of the book. I didn't even realize it was going to look so beautiful and be so just inspiring. So it, it was quite a, a lot of it was very unexpected. I just kind of wanted to get a book out there and and it's like wow this is this turned out amazing and i'm it's like my baby so it's it's a it was lovely it really was do you have i don't have my copy of my book yet do you have a copy that you can just like put up towards the screen and show it yes this is my book fear to faith is it backwards no it's good Good. You can get it on. You can get it on Amazon, and it's such a fun book. We the the if you can see the the inside every day. It's not um, it's not done calendar wise, but it's done by every every entry is a number, and there's 365 of them. And we had all this space under because some of them are short and some of them are longer. And so the graphic person said, "Well, let's give people an opportunity to journal if they like." And so we have journaling possibilities for people. Um, at the bottom, but it's it's just it's such a fun book. It, it's really to me this is my personality. You've got squiggles and 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 cool cool uh, font and just fun stuff going on inside of the book. And and it's just it really a lot of people they love it and they use it as their daily spiritual practice. And and in some of my circles, people will read. They'll say, you know what, I just want to read your post for this day, Dale, because it, it touched my heart and it really brought me to a better place. And so it, it just, it warms my heart that, that people are, 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 are being, um, are being spiritually reinforced by what I've written. So it's, it's, it's like, you know, I feel like I've done my part here. So. <laughs> it, you know what? I didn't realize how, how big it was when, when I saw huge. it online, it just, it looked like a small little, you know, that's huge. That's, that's yeah, it's a big book. So there's, um, at the very beginning, what I found, uh, it was number two. It says, many years ago, during a conversation with a trusted friend, I mentioned that I didn't want to worry anymore. Her comment to me was, 
then don't. (laughs) (laughs) Right? It sort of, it reminded me a little of a Wayne Dyer thing that I have in my head when someone came up to him at a a conference eating some jujubes or something and said, you know, I really, I'm really having so much trouble. Like, I just can't stop eating these. And he took the bag away and threw it away in the garbage. And it was like, really? Is it that simple? And like, it this kind of, you know, brings to mind of, you know, how simple the answer can be, but it's not always easy to get at that, you know, on the other side of it. And so I just, I thought that was very entertaining and um, it made me laugh. And then the other thing that I thought, and I can't remember where this one is from because when I cut and pasted it, I left out the number, but uh, there are so many things in our world that are composed of layers, onions, rocks, lasagna and human beings just to name a few (laughs) and I forgot I even wrote that that's so funny (laughs) lasagna yeah so we are (laughs) multi-layered organisms always physically mentally spiritually energetically and emotionally with sauce and cheese in between clearly (laughs) of course (laughs) so I am looking forward to reading this when when my copy arrives yes coming right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and I'm just, I'm glad that there's a look inside feature on Amazon so that I could actually see, you know, some of these, these little things. So this actually, you know, you're talking spiritual practices. What are some of your spiritual practices that you engage in now? Um, now I will, I, every morning I just get up and I meditate and I do journaling work and I pray for people and for myself. And, um, and I read from a, a few different books, like a daily read. I, I read uh, from, it's, I think it's called Spiritual Diaries by Paramahansa Yogananda. And I read from the Science of Mind 365. I, that's to me just so pristine. Um, and I just started reading the daily, um, it's, a, it's like a daily read from Emmett Fox. Really wonderful, wonder, I don't know if you've, if you've read him very much. I think he was Divine Science. You. I think I have that one. You have. Do you? Yeah. They're great. They're really great. So that's part of my practice. And I do, um, I do yoga. I do Dr. James's, uh, his spirit breath meditation. I do that. Um, I just, you know, and and I do, I like to be mindfully, I mindfully practice spirituality in my everyday life. I I really, and I spoke to this at our Sensational Six this week, that I I don't like it just to be in my meditation room at 8am. I like it to be throughout my day. So, so I'm mindful about seeing the spirit in everything when I'm driving my car, just to really bring that mindfulness in of the allness of life and the wholeness of life. So I practice it throughout the day as well through awareness and mindfulness and acknowledgement. I, I just, because I love to be in the flow of that energy and, and I, and I, I want to call it in all the time. Just, I'm really, I love to be just drenched in it and really in it because it just makes for um, a much easier and joyful life. So drenched. I like that. Drenched. Okay. <laughs> Immersed, infused, bathed. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. All of that. I, um, yeah, the, I, I really like what you said about how just your entire day, that it's not just, you know, between six and 9am, there are these things that, you know, I check off my list and then I go about the rest of my day. One of my favorite books from our first year in practitioner studies is Care of the Soul mm, by Thomas yes. Moore. And it, it inadvertently led to Care of the Soil, which was the name for our study group that we had. <laughs> um, but really? The, that's cool. Yeah. And, and it was just, a, it, was, it was something I like that. I was talking one day and I'm like, hey guys, Care of the Soil. And it just became a thing. 
Um, anyway, wow. but more, why I'm reminded of that is that there is a part in that book that talks about finding the sacred in everyday things and just, and just seeing as everything as a sacred experience, as a sacred action, as a sacred undertaking. And, and I remember when I was reading that, then, you know, just hanging laundry, just all of a sudden it's like, okay, like find being in the flow in the hanging of the laundry and, um, and then other things, the laundry is the one that sticks in my mind though. However, yeah, I mean, not just, you know, journaling or meditating or the kind of meditation or lighting a candle or whatever it may be, but to actually be in that flow of the know to be drenched in it all day long i uh, i love that mahoney how about you spiritual practices well mostly it's breathing and things like that <laughs> well <laughs> well i lassia has brought this up a few times but i spend a lot of my day because my work schedule allows me to listen while i'm working to audiobooks and youtube and the odd novel and whatever. So, and podcasts, like I've been just downloading so much um, kind of good stuff. And I, I think what it is, it's like, it's keeping me at a certain level of, um, okay, kind of, okay, you got to walk the talk kind of thing. Like I, I, I know a lot of things about what I, like I know in my heart, and I can explain most of the time why, you know, I know we create our reality and whatever we focus on, that's what we're getting in a kind of loop. Um, so mine isn't so much meditation and, and prayer as it is just like mindful and focusing and trying to um, do different things with my breathing to, to calm myself down or to just extend my energy through my breath and that kind of thing. But um, one of the things that as you're talking there, Dale, like the, the title of your book, like it is very evocative. And as you said, the, the framing of the, when it began, um, like that is also kind of a test, right? That is like an ongoing test of, of faith as in, do you really know this stuff? Like, show show me again why what you say is so right so like i'm curious about that like you know it's now 2020 halfway through there's another election coming up in the states and there's a lot of buzz even when you don't live in the states about what you know there's a lot of sort of manifested evidence of you know this is going on it just proves that 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 you know like so there's a lot of um, reinforcing one's um, biases and sort of patterns and this kind of thing. <clears throat> so do you feel that you've been able to um, up-level yourself in terms of being more sure about, look, I know that we are like consciousness, this is my new saying is consciousness first, you know, everything else comes from <clears throat> what we're feeling and putting out there. So do you feel that you're a little bit more solid on that? Like, because you've had roughly say three and a half, four years of, of that kind of like where the world is changing, you know? And of course the, the more that we are as a, as a global community 
focusing on fewer and fewer things like a certain personality um, who has sort of taken all the headlines and now it's a certain um, ailment or illness or focusing of energy. Um, like we're all doing that now. It's like, we're all, I was saying this to Lassie last night, we're going within because we sort of on a global um, level decided it's time to hit pause and just sort of look at ourselves and know what it is. You know, how do we feel? Who are we? And a lot of people are not comfortable with that, you know? And as you said, the new, new thought community maybe has a little bit of an, a, a, a leg up or an edge there to say, Oh, this is actually kind of cool. Like this is what we, this is what we um, preach or whatever. This is what we believe, but we don't go out and preach it. Right. We just like, Oh, this is, this is what's going on. So do you feel that you're, you're better at that now and you can kind of be less um, reactive to outside inf um, uh, experience, I guess? Yeah, I, I feel like I'm really grounded in it. When um, when the COVID thing happened and I, I just was kind of like, um, I guess I'll put it, I'm responding to what it was. I, I realized I was at a point of choice uh, because there was so much fear that came up and, and it was just such a thing. And I just, I, I looked at it and I said, okay, this is the time to clean up your consciousness about this because this might be around a while. So let's take care of this now, get solid in faith so we can walk through this really strong. And so I did my work. I said, let's, I'm cleaning it up, go into that place of principle, grounding in so I can just move forward with, with really strong faith. And, and I did it. And I, I haven't, I've been unwavering in it even, you know, I, and I do watch news because I like to know what's going on. And I just, I'm unflinching. I, I just, cause I just know. And part of it is because um, of my ministerial training, because uh, training with somebody like Dr. James, who is so incredibly solid in principle and just keeps reiterating over and over again, everything is unfolding in its right and perfect way, no matter what. And I really, that, that, like, I felt that in every cell of my body whenever he would say that. So working with him and learning from him really anchored me intensely into that belief. So yeah, I just, you know, and there's a lot of weird stuff going on this, you know, right now in our government. Um, I mean, what, it's nonstop really, but there were some things that happened last night and I, you know, and I read about and I go, oh geez, you know, I just, I have my little, my, I don't want to say my human reaction, but maybe my more relative reaction to it. And then there's, there's something that um, Ernest Holmes says in How to Use the Science of Mind. And it, when I read that years and years ago, it kind of really pulled me into something that I had been looking for as far as um, finding that sentence or that concept in science mind. And basically, in, in a nutshell, he says that anything that's not grounded in the goodness of the universe, it, it can't be rooted and it will be uprooted. Any, anything that's just not not strong in that it may have its day but it will be gone because it's not rooted in that spiritual principle of goodness and love and so what i see our country what it's been going through i'm so solid in that and i've seen it in other other places not only in my life but you know through history that that stuff can come up but it, it gives way because it's not rooted in, in that 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 harmony and that essence of spirit that that we define as being the goodness and the wholeness so that's where i plant my consciousness and i i just have that knowing that everything is it's it's unfolding beautifully and, and and there is that higher vibration that's going to be breaking all of this open so we can come together in our oneness which is um you know it's long overdue cool Woo. Um, one, one other thing on that, I mean, what, I think what's going on right now in the States, especially is reminding me that 
you know, everyone has a part to play, right? And I think certain things that are being decided, let's say at the Supreme Court level over the last month, two major things, um, like the, some of the things that are happening there are surprising, you know, on many levels. The, the most recent one was the, um, the Oklahoma um, land issue, which is for a person who follows indigenous rights and First Nations here in Canada, as we call them, um, it's like, okay, we're definitely in, in a different, you know, universe now. This is a, this is a different probable universe or reality that like allows for things because they just are on a, a very deep level. Like, so the land and the people, um, it was a certain way for many millennia and then shifted rapidly. And, you know, we're on this kind of current timeline, but it seems to be jolting back to another version of, you know, of what it used to be, I guess. So I'm, I'm, I take heart with things like that happening. And I, and I, even the, um, the thing a month ago with the, um, is around the uh, employment rights and, um, and it, it surprised a lot of people, I think, you know, what happened. I won't get into specifics because we'll be talking forever, but for things like that, I just think like, it's okay that people do things who you wouldn't normally support them, but they end up doing something that just surprises you. you know, oh, I guess that kind of worked out, you know? Um, so I think there's always room for hope and, and um, re sort of rooting yourself in, and as you say, the principles, it's like, I don't know how it's going to work out, but like, I know it's going to work out because everything, everything's good, you know? So without that being last year, without that being a spiritual bypass. <laughs> anyway, back to you guys. Sorry. No, that was great. Thank you. Yeah. There were a few things that I was thinking, I mean, many things over the last few minutes. And I think the thing that I landed on just in the last few seconds, because you used the word principle um, a few times and the fact that precedent is being set. One of my favorite spiritual truths is principle is not bound by precedent. And, and I, which basically for people out there who have not heard that and are not steeped in, you know, science of mind or Thomas Troward, then uh, it basically means that principle, which is the truth of who and what I am, remains unchanged no matter what's going on. So even if there was something horrific, volatile, heinous, so unsettling that happened in the past, that even if you drag the memory of that and still, you know, are in relationship to it in the present, that event that happened in the past can never, ever, 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 ever change who you are at the very, 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 very heart of who you are, which is the absolute truth. What, what I'm thinking of, though, is almost like principle is the precedent. It, 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 cause it's just, it's the foundation for everything. So even though there's precedent, you know, in terms of experience and happenings and, and, and I'm thinking, not that I'm a lawyer, but I, um, I play one in my mind, <laughs> but, uh, but that, you know, I mean, Dr. James would even say, you know, argue, argue for the spiritual truth. You know, that's what you're doing as a practitioner. That's what you're doing in your treatment. You're arguing for the truth. And you know, you're setting, you're setting a precedent, you're setting the precedent of truth. That's what, what you're coming from. And so it's almost like, you know, just now I'm thinking, you know, as, as much as I love that 
spiritual truth, that spiritual principle, and I have used it so many times. And people who who are new to science of mind or new thought teachings or just even if they're steeped in the teachings but need that reminder how it's been so great, I almost feel like, you know, it could be reworked a little bit because ultimately we're we're just when we come from truth, when we come from that highest level of consciousness, when we're drenched in that knowing um, all the time, you know, or even if we see ourselves wavering, we can bring ourselves back, you know, to being completely aligned with and as that truth. There's nothing that could ever make us less than what we truly are. And so I find it fascinating, sometimes to the point of frustration, maybe, or just sort of like, I don't get it when, when, um, when I hear how people are responding still to what is going on in the state, to the president himself, to things that he says, things that he does, to decisions that are made. Um, I guess especially when I know people who are in the science of mind and, and spirit teachings, it, it just, you know, I don't know if it's race consciousness that is so incredibly strong and, and the pull of it is so incredibly profound and intense that it's just, you know, really hard to not get pulled into it and get stuck in the muck or in the mud or, you know, whatever, you know, mucky, dirty analogy um, you want to you wanna use. And it's just, it's interesting. And then I also, I don't know, like, is it because I live in Canada, you know, that, that, that there's a different perspective here. There's, it's a different situation here. But then I think to myself, yeah, but then if it's, you know, I'm Canadian, you're American, there's, those are labels and those are just ways of ways that we can actually, you know, you're there, I'm here kind of thing, like a duality, separation sets in. And then it's like, no, 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 so it can't be that. It's not that because we are all one. Yes, expressing in different, unique, individualized ways, but there's only one. And so where am I in this race consciousness? Where am I, you know, like in, in, in what's going on? Where am I in these experiences that are unfolding? You know, what's my part in all of this? And, and I have to say right now, a lot of time, I feel like I'm sitting back in bewilderment. That's what it is. <laughs> in bewilderment, not quite understanding what I'm seeing. And, and so living, endeavoring to not only live in the question of what's going on, why is this happening? Who am I? What's my part in here? And all of this, but also to, to know that at the very heart of it all is that highest level of consciousness is that absolute truth is that deepest sense of knowing that knows all and then like you said ultimately everything is unfolding perfectly and sometimes for me the reminder there or, or the, the perfectly part is and it's not that it has to feel great at the time I mean sometimes it really feels like life sucks you know in the moment However, that's part of this unfolding perfectly because we think of when, when, when I think about, you know, the circle or, you know, conscious mind, subjective mind and form, you know, thought, um, sort of the 
race consciousness, all beliefs and memories of all time, and then our life experiences showing up. This has to filter through this. And depending on what's in play here, like super strongly, it's going to make a difference what our life experience looks like. So, so choosing to, this is what I want to identify with. You know, even if like, I really feel like I'm gravitating towards this to go, no, that's not what I want to identify with. I would rather latch onto this because it feels better. It's more supportive. It's more proactive. It's more productive. It's more creative. It's more expansive. It's more empowering. Um, and so, you know, and then my life shows up differently. Still, it's just example after example after example, conversation after conversation. It's just there all the time to, to have this experience and to really sort of unearth those limiting beliefs that we may not even realize are, are in play and are holding us down and back and rooted and whatever, which then brings me to the to your comment about uh, the Ernest Holmes quote of you know how it'll have its day that you know it's there but it's it's it can't get rooted so it'll it'll go away. That was a lot of stuff, but I, I really like that. I haven't gotten to that part in the book yet, so uh, so it will be you know in my mind's eye when I get there. Anyway, I I don't even know if there's a question coming here. What what do you um, Reverend Dale, what do you offer to people when they come to you and they find themselves really caught up in the muck, feeling like I should know better. I should know better because, you know, I embody these teachings. I should know better because I'm a practitioner. I should know better because I'm a minister. I should, 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 should. Yet it's hard. It's hard because of whatever is going on, whether it's the political situation, whether it's, you know, a diagnosis that has all of a sudden, you know, made its way into your life experience, someone has died, like something, something that's really, that can be really challenging for people to deal with. And even though they may have dealt with a whole bunch of other stuff that, that may seem even more, you know, intense, there's all of a sudden something happens and it's like, I I don't get it. I should know better. What's the problem here? What do you What do you offer to people? Well, I when people do that, I I, I steer them away from going into shame and and punishing themselves or thinking lowly of themselves because something came into their life that they they believe shouldn't have because they're because of their consciousness. There's there's just so much we don't know about that's in that subconscious that you spoke to. There we just it's not all transparent uh, you know it, it comes up as it comes up and we have to we have to deal with it as we deal with it but the but but for me step one is just stop being ashamed of yourself because you 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 there, there, this whole thing of spiritual perfection that I think people get into as practitioners and ministers, like if I become this, then nothing bad is ever going to happen to me or nothing adverse will ever, ever happen to me ever again because I'm so pristine in my consciousness. And the thing to me is that a practitioner and a minister, they're, they're, they're still who they are, but they have big tools to use to elevate their consciousness and to, to do their best to allow whatever needs to be seen that's hidden, that's, that, that might be um, fearful or that doesn't resonate or does not represent their their divine nature may that come through in a 
a consciously aware aware way so that it no longer is acting upon their life experience. Um, but I, I, I like to encourage people just to, to, to always trust in principle, even though something has shown up, whether you're a practitioner or a minister, something has shown up, okay, that's okay. We know that, that everything that is form is fluid and changeable and let's go to principle, let's do our, let's do our spiritual work and watch whatever that condition is to, to dissolve and be released from your life experience because to judge, the, to judge ourselves because something has shown up that we don't understand to judge ourselves just brings more harm to ourselves. And we need to step out of that and just go into principle and know that we can change any condition that comes up in our lives, anything. And to go there, anchor into that and watch things change and transform. And so it is. So it is. <laughs> which, which brings me to... Um, I had the opportunity to read your thesis. Thank you very much. Yes. And this is what is turning into your second book. Yes. And so when we talk about um, being a practitioner, when we talk about spiritual mind treatment or affirmative prayer, we talk a lot about technique. We talk a lot about the five steps that are involved and how a lot of times, a lot of time is spent on steps one and two, you know, that, that you know, sort of there is only one universal intelligence, energy, God, whatever it is that you want to call it, there's only one thing going on. And then number two being, I am that thing. And so is everyone and everything else. And so there's just this eternal interconnectivity that is always in play. And everyone not only is that thing, they are that thing in its entirety, expressing in the way that they can only be expressed. And so technique and skill, that is something that comes up a lot. However, we also talk about infinite creativity. And so in your thesis, I really liked how you approached the, well, it was, it was about practitioner as artist, the art of, of being a practitioner. And so there's a line in here who I, I just, I love. We are artists who witness the flow of life through the many stories that are presented to us by those who see us. So talk to us about the artistry of being a practitioner because yes there's skill yes there's method yes there's steps but they're really because there is spontaneity involved because there is creativity and because this one incredible universal energy that is always in play is constantly creating constantly expanding how does this come into the artistry of being a practitioner well, I think it's, honestly, I think the whole, any kind of practitioner session is all about stepping into being an artist with it. And that's part, pretty much why I wrote this book, because you, you addressed it perfectly. We're so, we get, we're taught to do all this rigid stuff. You do the five steps and say this like that and da, 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 da. And that's important because we, we want to get, get the form all settled in before we um, become creative. I mean, that's how most, most occupations are. You learn how to do it and then you put your own flair in it. Um, but for me, especially for the artistry of being a practitioner is we, there is a creative energy that is so needed in the work we do with people. And you, you, there isn't, 
there isn't this step-by-step -step thing we do when we're listening to somebody. There isn't this card catalog where we say, okay, they're talking about that, so I go to that. Um, I mean, with spiritual truth, you can, I mean, you can say that, but there's something deeper that's going on there. And, and it's, it's when whatever's being presented is being presented to go to that higher wisdom. And Dr. James talks about this, where he talks about the different ways we're listening to people during, during our session and to really open up in a big way to the creative, um, the creative information or the, the guidance that you're getting from that higher wisdom within yourself and to trust that because it, 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 informs us on how to speak to the person on what to say because for each person there's a different way to communicate and i talk about this vocabulary because everybody needs to um everybody's going to hear something based on their receptivity based on their consciousness and their life experience and so to allow that artistry to just to see that every session is an art piece you know i'm going to speak differently possibly with this person i'm going to be guided to um say my prayer maybe it, it bringing in different words than i use for this person um allowing myself to maybe be more quiet with this person because there's more space needed for talking it's just it's all just a whole different experience. And that's why I, I felt it was so important to say, treat every session a, a, as a work of art because every person is a work of art, so to speak. And so, to, like you said, to really open up in a really big way to the creativity, not the rigidity, but the creativity that's coming by means of you through your energetic connection with this person and what's coming in through you to say and to pray to to move the energy as we speak. So, so that's, that's why I really want people to get creative because I know a lot of people get, they don't, they, 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 cause they're not taught to be creative with their treatments or with their sessions. They're taught to do this and you're done. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there is, I mean, there's definitely something to be said for practice, 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 practice. Yes. Um, however, I know that, you know, by the end of our two years together in my practitioner studies, when, when Dr. James, I mean, our entire class, especially our second year, he taught it very differently than he had ever done before. And, and, and when he does it again, then I'm sure it's going to be, you know, even different again. And, but we had the opportunity to, um, he really wanted people to like get the energy part of it down. And so, you know, he'd say, okay, you guys, you know what the five steps are, but you need to like get into the energy. And so there were several classes where we would either do round robins of everybody, you know, he started step one and then everybody two, everybody three, everybody four, and then he finished it off. Or what was really cool was when he'd take smaller groups or then when he'd take pairs and he'd say, okay, you guys just step two, just keep going until I tell you to stop kind of thing. Or, you know, you two, step three until. And there was one class. <laughs> So much fun and so exciting for me because I was always online. You know, I mean, there. This is before everybody had to jump online, but I was always online because I wasn't in, you know, in um, Studio City. And uh, and so there was one other person that I was online with because she was from Toronto. Everybody else was in class, so he'd have people stand up and just okay, go, and then the next and the next, and then he looked up at us online and he went, "I'm not putting you two together because you treat very differently." And, and so last year you're with me and I'm like, oh my God. So I got to be with the teacher and we did a step three back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, which was so fun, so expansive. And because 
I was with Dr. James, I just felt like I was up leveled, you know, to the max kind of thing. And it was just this incredible, explosive, energetic, spontaneous, creative, you know, step of treatment that just kept going until he finally went, okay, stop, 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 you know, and, 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 you know, like we were done, but it was just, it was so exciting to just be in the flow of that energy and to even through the screen be not feeding off of, but, but, you know, like just like vibing in that and up leveling every single time. I mean, talk about excitement and, and just, you know, enthusiasm and zeal and just feeling aliveness, just pulsating and vibrating and activating, you know, animating every single fiber of my being. It was, it was incredible, such an amazing experience. And, and I, that's how I treat a lot of the time. It's, I mean, I, I do have, I do do treatments. Um, that are very quiet. I mean, the energy is still there, but that are very quiet and low key. But most of the time, I'm a very, you know, animated, animated treater because I love treatment. It's just, it is, it is such an effective tool when done correctly. And, and to do it correctly, I mean, how many times, you know, in practitioner studies where we ask, you know, what is the key ingredient Ernest Holmes, feeling Thomas Troward, faith. And, you know, you can say all those steps, you know, you can have them in the right order or mix them up. You can, you can, you know, even sort of know it in your heart of hearts, but without that feeling and that conviction and that passion and allowing for that creative spontaneity to flow through, you know, just from within. I mean, I do this, but from within, yeah, artistry artistry remind us please what is step three step three is the declaration so the steps are again for people who are not in, in science of mind um one we're just going to use uh god just for fun right now so god is all there is step two i am god and so is everyone and everything step three here's what i know and so this is you know basically the intention for the treatment and there is 100% conviction, there is feeling, there is power, there is knowing that this is a done deal right here, right now in the present moment. And the way Dr. James teaches, you never, ever, 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 ever bring the condition, the problem, the experience, the disease, whatever's going on into the treatment. Talk about it beforehand, but once you start treating, it's only from that highest level of consciousness. It's only about the truth at the very, very, very foundation of, of whatever's going on. So it's the truth of that person. It's the principle. Um, and then step four is gratitude. Just being so grateful because you know that it's already a done deal in universal mind or a done deal, you know, through and as God. And then step five is release, which is when we say, and so it is, you just let go. And the way that Reverend Gale says, and let God do its work. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, and it's, it's something that I'm looking forward to teaching uh, in the fall through the Center for Spiritual Living here. And um, yeah, just, I mean, I treat every day, many, many times a day, because it is one of my absolute favorite big tools that I now have in my spiritual arsenal. And, and anyone anyone can learn how to do it and even in the how to use the science of mind whatever i was reading yesterday there was a little line that 
Ernest Holmes said, we should be teaching to, it's not just, you know, for us to learn, but we want to go out and share this with the world and teach others how to do it for themselves. So that's why I also plan to, you know, incorporate this into my 12 week mindfulness program in the fall with, with high school students, because it's just, it feels great. It really does. So, so I think we're coming on close to an hour here and, uh, and I'm thinking, is there anything else? Honey Bunch, is there anything else that you wanted to chat about before we go into our final? No, I'm, I'm, I'm complete as they say. Perfect and whole too. (laughs) Although I do, when you use the word perfect there, I, I do have this thing that comes up. It's like, I still have an issue with perfectness. So the word optimal is what's good for me right now. It's like, it's sort of the best for the circumstances that we're in. It's the best for available for growth and that kind of thing. So, because perfect for me is still a very inflexible word. So anyway, I don't, I don't want to fall down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. And you know what? That actually reminds me when I was talking about unfolding perfectly before and it not feeling great, the perfect also means the way things unfold so so the creative process is perfection itself all the time and so whatever you know is being thought filters through all this stuff and then is reflected perfectly into your life experience and so that's why it's really important to get at those beliefs that are in there and understand what is it that is influencing or qualifying or you know like what are what are the the other day when I did a talk and I was talking about how you know you put on a white suit you know this crisp white suit and then you walk through you know a muddy swamp and you come out and the suit appears brown it still is white but it appears brown because of all the mud and the muck in the swamp well you could also have chosen to walk around the swamp you could have chosen to walk through you know the babbling brook that was clear you know on the side of the swamp and your suit would have, you know, still appeared white. It's white, it's white, it's white all the time, no matter what, that's the principle. Um, But it's those beliefs, you know, and what you end up traveling through or clinging onto that you filter that, you know, initial thought through that is going to affect what your life experience shows up like. So if you wanna come out on the other side with that crisp white suit, then, you know, how are you going to travel through that subconscious or subjective mind? Brilliant. Okay. Oh, it looks like a question. Come on. No, I'm thinking I should get myself a white suit. Oh, okay. <laughs> I look good. I, I think perfection's a loaded word too. There's a lot of, um, for me, I, I, had, I was uh, raised to be a perfectionist and um, it, it did some pretty heavy damage to me until I, you know, kind of got clear on what that was. But the word has a lot of has a lot of stuff around it that we inherit. But um, to what what for me, I just I know I like to say I'm spiritually perfect because I get that, and that works for me when I when we talk about perfection. I know I'm absolutely spiritually perfect, and that's all I need to know, and that allows me to resonate with perfection in a different way, rather than more of what our society says perfection is. I like that. I like that. Uh, okay, so. Let's see. I'm looking through my I think I've gone through everything that I wanted to talk about. And then so right now we're going to go into our little fun segment before we finish off. And I just realized that I don't have a time of year. So I'm gonna come right back with a uh, with a timer. I shall return.
Okay, so you're going to be answering some questions. Um, okay. Sort of rapid fire fun. Mo most of them are, you know, either this or that. You're picking one or the other. Oh, okay. And some of them are, are. Don't give it away. Okay. I'm, I'm having this. I'm having this. Like, did you guys do stand and deliver in practitioner training? Oh my gosh. <laughs> See, I'm starting to just stand and deliver, and I have to talk about what's the difference between inductive and deductive reasoning. <laughs> right. Here we go on page 394. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, no, I still, I still get a little bit of a in my in my gut when it's when it's a stand and deliver like moment. yes oh, I'm, I'm glad i'm not the only one i just <laughs> oh my god it's like ptsd <laughs> it was so good it was so good too at the same time it was it was it was they were yeah it was actually a very rich part of class i agree <laughs> okay so glenn is going to be asking the questions and uh and then we just would like you to answer sorry i'm making noise here <laughs> tiny quarters <laughs> with my desk right up against the thing so yeah just spontaneity is key here so don't okay. think about them just allow okay. for that intuitive flow to come through oh boy okay, okay. all right all right so here we go okay. ready set start okay pick a number between two and seven seven what is best gene kelly or fred astaire or ginger rogers gene kelly for sure okay rainbows or moonbeams Rainbows. How many tattoos do you have? None. Oh, Henry or Snickers? Snickers. Spiritual prototype or mental equivalent? Uh, mental equivalent. Uh, anime or claymation? Um, anime. Okay. Salty or sweet? Sweet. Favorite city to visit? Uh, San Francisco. Walking on a beach or in a forest? Beach. What is your favorite place to surf? Uh, I don't. <laughs> okay. Are, are you more wave or particle? Wave. Favorite character in a book? Oh, gosh. Uh, ding, ding, ding. Uh, okay, I, that's that takes too much reflection. <laughs> yeah, no, and that is it. Your time is up. Okay, okay. so... 12 questions answered, Mahoney. What does, what does Reverend Dale, what can she imagine that she's won? Okay, so <laughs> this is from our favorite, um, right here. Move it down, there you go. Uh, it's our favorite Indian restaurant in, uh, in uh, the little town not far from where we live. Oh, so, fine. so tell Reverend Dale what her imaginary profile. So you, you picked page seven, so we have seven panels oh, here. Oh, how interesting! Um, and twelve questions answered. Twelve. Oh, that's so okay. Cool. Then you're oh, in the beverages, appetizers? beverages and desserts section, so you get. <laughs> oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, because otherwise six panels is the food, and then this is the desserts. So. So how many what did you answer? She answered 12, but you know what? Go over, use seven. Use seven okay. and then tell her what her appetizer, what her main meal, and what her dessert okay. is going to be. I like to have a full course. Oh, wow. Whether you like it or not, you've got mango beef. 
is the the specialty. That was one of the questions that you were going to ask her. I didn't get there that far. Okay. And if you're vegetarian, it would be one, two, three, four. Chana masala, chickpeas. Oh, yum. Okay. Okay. And the, um, you get for dessert, fruit kulfi or Oreo kulfi, which is a frozen milk ice cream. Oh, that's Oreo? Ice cream, anything ice cream is fine. Okay. Oreos. I didn't even know they had Oreo kulfi. Okay. And was there an appetizer? Um... (laughs) No, I just went with the. Um... No, but give Dan an appetizer. I need an appetizer so, here. So you need how? What's the number on the appetizer? One, two. Would you like uh, paneer pakora, <laughs> which is cottage cheese fingers deep fried with Indian spice batter? Those are so good. I sounds good. I cannot tell you. And there's that you can either get like a tamarind sauce or a mint chutney to like a mint cilantro chutney to dip into. They're so good. It really depends on what night you go there as to you know if whether they're heavier or lighter. But oh my gosh, it's such a such a delicious appetizer. Yum! Congratulations yum. on winning Thank the you. meal. You can imagine how wonderful. Oh it is. Oh yeah. I love Indian food. Vegetarian. Look at that. I'm vegetarian too. We're raising our daughter vegetarian. Glenn is at home, although when he goes out, he will uh, he will have some chicken or turkey every now and then. But yeah, and that was, you know what, that wasn't even a conversation that happened with us when we moved in together. He just moved into a vegetarian household and just embraced that lifestyle. And the irony is now we have a cat and she can eat whatever she wants. Yeah, see, that's, yeah, my Whenever. cats, my cats get, yeah, because they need that. That's what they need. They don't, yeah. they don't do vegetarian. You know what, though? Yeah. I have to say, I mean, the meat, the meat, the food that we get for her, it smells, I mean, I joke with Glenn and Milana, not really, but joke, let's say, when they eat canned tuna, like to me, I'm like, oh my God, that smells like cat food. Now, you know, since Mercury came into our lives, though, when I open up her little cans of food, even though about half of them are meat, the other ones are fish, they're saucy and chunky. They look like this little stew. They don't smell anything like canned tuna, and they actually look very delicious, and that is the only meat that is in our household, but she, you know, she gets these beautiful little gravy, stewy-like meals that she laps up, and then she avails herself of the outdoor buffet of, you know, birds and mice and other things um so yeah she's a, and we're i'm so proud of her all the time because she has a little jingle bell on her so that we can hear her when she's in the house and she still manages to sneak up on her prey and catch all of these things and bring them to us let us see them and then you know yes yeah, good for you and then she bows down so that's so funny wow <laughs> Anyway, okay, so Reverend Dale, thank you so much for being thank here. Thank you, thank you. And I'm gonna set the intention because I, I, in the late 90s, mid 90s, I, I went up to Victoria and uh, and Quebec, and and I'm gonna set the intention that in the very near future, I'm gonna come visit you too because I would love to to just I'd love to see you. I'd love to hang out in Victoria with you and, and just uh, just kind of be. Be in, in Canada for, for a little bit just to visit. So I'm, I'm knowing that. Open arms, right? welcome. We have a spare room and wow. yeah, and vegetarian. So like, right. <laughs> 
Thank you. <laughs> I look forward to that. I look forward to seeing both of you in person and, and perhaps I'll be there on a Sunday and I can go to your center as well. Yeah. Oh, that's well, fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Uh, I just would like to let anyone know if you would like to get in touch with Reverend Dale, then her website is www.daleolansky.com. If you would like to email her directly, then her email address is dolansky at dc.rr.com, which is d-o-l-a-n-s-k-y at dc.rr.com. And again, if you want to like show your show your book, Reverend Dale has one book already published from Spirit of Faith, which is available on Amazon.com and Amazon.ca. And then her second book is going to be published soon. Thank you. Yes. All right. And then if you ever also want to tune in to any CSL Palm Desert stuff, Reverend Dale, what is the website there? I'm um, it's www.centerforspirituallivingpalmdesert.org. .org. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and again, my Wednesday morning has your sensational six at 10 a.m. Pacific, um, which is stream live. That's part of my Wednesday morning now. It is so enlightening, so entertaining, so engaging. And um, yeah, if, if you know you have an opportunity to check it out, then I would say go for it because it really is a lovely, lovely part of my morning and, and has me thinking you know, for the rest of the day and, and in the coming days. So, so thank you for being so awesome. Thank you for doing all you do, being who you are. And, uh, and I look forward to you visiting here to our next conversation, whenever that may be. And um, yeah, to everything that comes next. So yes, yes. That's that's it for now. Thank you. Thank you. It was great. This has been an episode of Who Do You Think You Are? An exploration into how our thoughts, beliefs, and feelings create our reality. My name is Lassia Kahoot and I have been your host. My co-host has been Glenn Sheridan. We'd like to thank the following for helping us make this podcast a reality. Video editing, Lori Savage, Lassia Kahoot. Music, Vasco Lorenko, copyright, 123rf.com. Background illustration, Sak Masterke, copyright, 123rf.com. Graphic design, Lassia Kahoot. For more information on this podcast and our Lassia Kahoot Soul Excavator, please visit www.lassiakahoot.com. Thank you for listening to Who Do You Think You Are?